I'm Lily Gladstone, and you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andras Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Andras Jones? Cool. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at Unison Studios with We Are Here recording artist, Pete Molinari. Welcome to Radio 8 Ball, Pete. I'm very happy to be here, Andras. It's great having you here. Having a lot of fun hanging out with your friends, and now we have another one of your friends. We do. A collaborator, a man whose name I am going to I think, a- a- I, attempt the way that someone <laughs> attempts to climb Everest, Keon Hediati. That was actually quite good. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn, oh, I can't well even do it. Awesome. I can be Italian or Japanese. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> and Jamaican. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, so, Keon, how do you know this man, Pete Molinari? Uh, well... I guess it's really typical to say here, but uh, we were at a independent movie premiere. Um, and what was he, the movie? Uh, it, it was. Do you remember the name of it, Pete? <laughs> That's terrible that we don't both I, I, remember. Yeah, I don't remember. It's an interesting film. It was cool. It was a it was a new style type of film that the guy made, and um, I'll, we'll, we'll put the name up afterwards. But uh, anyway, I met him there, and he was dressed in this way that I had never seen before, <laughs> uh, and. Um, Normally that's intimidating, but uh, with him it, it was just um, it was pretty quick uh, to set off. So that's that's where we met. <laughs> and so you're a director. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Reluctantly. I, yeah. 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 Uh, yet another one of your your humble friends. Talented, yeah, humble to, friends. I seem to put in these very talented, humble friends that are almost reluctant to talk about their uh, profession. Genius. Oh, uh, profession? You nuts. <laughs> You're what? crazy. No way. Well, what do you, what do you direct? Um, that's that's why I'm not. Uh, that's why I'm reluctant to speak because um, well, I've, you know, I've made shorts and um, nobody really cares about shorts, but there's merit to them and uh, uh, features. You know, working on getting some picked up that's really the that's the main purpose here so do you write scripts and you're and you're trying to get someone to produce them so that you can direct them yeah 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 what have you directed up till now uh i've made a couple of things i mean um 
like I, I had mentioned earlier to some other people, but uh, uh, you know, we made a couple of uh, short forms that um, you know, one of them we kind of set like an impromptu world record by uh, having the largest canvas painting in, in a short film for um, this uh, psychedelic sequence that we use without VFX. And then we have another one called Galaxia that's coming out soon where we, we do create a, a new style of visual effects um, that don't involve computer graphics. So uh, this one's about, you know, a spaceship that's traveling deep space trying to find uh, planets to bring back to life. So um, the way that we did it, <laughs> we... We, uh, we took you know, a large fish tank and um, we tested a bunch of different RC underwater uh, uh, vehicles, really, that looked like spaceships. And, and uh, we tested it and um, found the right ones. And, um, and it looks, you know, we mimic space flight, essentially. So we're just trying to push it. That's it. There's no other, there's no other way. Well, that's directing. That certainly is directing, right? I mean, I, it's one of those things I wonder if you, so if you, so you, have you done two two short films? No, I've done I've done four myself, um, just directed. Yeah, but one of them includes a world record breaking effect in a way, and yeah. one no involves of, a new yeah. effect. Yeah, that I mean that's uh, I mean it's basically that is the nuts and bolts of directing. I mean, making a, eventually making a movie is a bunch of those things just strung together of original ideas and unique t- ways of perceiving things. So yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I think you're, you seem like, you seem like a director to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you directed oh, no. Pete's video, right? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's work, yeah. we're working on it. We're almost there, but, um, tell yeah. us about that. We want, this is the, this is well, your first single. Of all, I, I just say about Keon, like, like you know, he's probably the one I've known least in, in the amount of time of all of these friends I've had on somehow. But in some ways, I feel like I've known him longer. It just feels like, I don't know, because I, I guess it's it's some of the things we just have in common and what we like and what we talked about initially, you know, art and literature and all of that stuff. Um, not often do you meet someone that you just have so much in common with about those things, you know, what your uh, passions are when it comes to that. And I was just surprised that he knew so much about the things that I loved and all of the kind of, I was like, wow, what, you're from Orange County. Well, how do you, you know, did you just study the whole works of Shakespeare your whole life? <laughs> but he seems to know all about it. And uh, I don't know, that that was a real connection to begin with. And then when I watched his, his things, I was like, this is really, it was really different and new. I think he has something really, I've seen so much cinema and so, so much, but... He's just uh, really talented and really got, uh, you know, a lot of passion and a lot of vision. And when I came around to doing this film, choosing this single, I just, I felt like I wanted to do something really, you know, in a, inspired by like those old Chaplin films, because he obviously made so much films about coming from poverty and everything. You know, although he came to America and had this huge success, Chaplin, he was kind of, all his films were about like, you know him being homeless with a kid, or this, the, that, and the, the little other. tramp. Yeah. yeah, he created this universal character, which is amazing. So I just, you know, my last video is very much an in the studio kind of rock and roll video with you know Evan and Nicole and 
that was a lot of fun and it was very stylized and it was good fun styling but with this song i'm just waiting for a train it, you know every line seems to give you an image in some way it's kind of in some ways it's it's easy because it's a visual it, you know it can it can uh, throw up so many um, images to you that you can go after, but in other ways, there are many other difficulties to it as well. Because you know, everyone wants a music video to be exciting, and they want it to have a story, and they want it to, you know. So I, I'm we're kind of approaching it more, more in the way of a kind of three-minute little film, really, mm -hmm. rather than a music video. So um, it's just a film that kind of tells a little bit of a story in some ways and is about, you know, it's a, it's a guy and a girl that leave their house together, uh, leave, leave, leave their houses at the same time and they go out into the world and they're pretty much uh, trying to connect with a world that they find hard, you know, they find hard, hard to connect with. And, and showing up a lot of the kind of affluent societies and a lot of the whole kind of... Um, you know the the stuff we walk past every day that kind of we don't pay too much attention to. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, were there any cool directorial touches that you feel like you brought to that? Um, I would say that uh, in in the first place it was um, it's just the reason I wanted to do it is because it's it's a challenge and that the song's very optimistic. But what Pete wanted um, is to show the juxtaposition of ultimate highs and ultimate lows that occur in Los Angeles. I mean, it's all around you. Um, you know, we thought to ourselves, and, and of course this could be, this could seem as if we're ridiculous and flamboyant and whatnot and way too cocky or something, but what we want to strive for is something that could potentially, if something is to live for a thousand years or so, it would be something that shows the world so truthfully that uh, you really learn from, from looking at it, objectively even. Uh, so what we what we did in this is just go around document um, in in a stylized narrative kind of way uh, what's going on in in LA and in kind of um, paralleling that with the rest of the world because you know you go out to these beautiful parks like Echo Park and uh, there will be these lovely ladies running you know jogging along and um, people buying ice cream and this and that and then right to your left there'll just be like a bunch like a homeless guy with with no shoes and his feet are all messed up. And I'm none of us are like philanthropists here. Um, but if there's something that we could do with the luxury of this country is uh, do something that is going to tell the truth. And that's all we want to do is just, just tell the truth and do it um, in a profound way. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, why don't we try and engage some profound truth right now with your question for the Pop Oracle. What do you got for us? Hmm. Um, I guess uh, what I wanted to ask is, uh, does um, life come before death or does death come before life? Does life come before death or death come before life? Okay, that's a powerful question. Pretty deep. Let's see what we get. And now to engage the Pop Oracle, you get to spin the Wheel of Eight. Na 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 na, we love it. Song number five. <laughs> Goodbye, Baby Jane. <laughs> All right, three. 
And that was Pete Molinari with his song, I'll Take You There, is the answer to Keon's question, does life come before death or does death come before life? This is usually the point where I would ask Pete to tell us where his song comes from and Keon how he thinks the song relates to his question. Unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, this part of our conversation was lost. Luckily for us, Pete and Keon have generously agreed to post-record their answers to these questions, and here they are. Unfortunately, if you're hearing this, the guys were not able to get it together to record this very small thing in their lives, which I understand, and this very huge thing in a very small portion of something that is gigantic in my life. And... So much of this episode is about letting go of expectations and relinquishing oneself to the will of what is, that it would be, well, a different level of foolish than I'm capable of to get too bent out of shape about it and not accept it as the opportunity to be far more pretentious than I would ever allow myself to be with a normal Radio 8 Ball show. Starting by this sound effect. I mean, I may sound somewhat like the host of Radio 8 Ball, Andras Jones, but I am not. I am his editor. I am the guy who works very hard, long hours, in actually what is a very comfortable chair, to uh, make him sound good. So I, uh, I am disoriented. I am uh, distasteful. I am dissatisfied. And I am here to help interpret <laughs> this musical divination. But <clears throat> I did have... The, I, I do have Andras's brain to work with, so I have access to all the information that he has. So I hope we can do this. So Keon's question was, does life come before death or death come before life? And what's most potent about this is that this whole, this per, this whole episode was fucked up. We, it was under duress, and whether it was under attack or not, it was dealt with the way a parent cares, like the parent in Life is Beautiful cares for his kid who's under attack. Just trying to make it as pleasant as possible. And yet, it was really a very difficult episode. Uh, Not because anyone did anything wrong, just because that was the flow of things, really. It was a hot day, the studio was new to us, they weren't used to dealing with what we were dealing with. We lost this part of it because we were having some technical difficulties because of the insane demands we were putting on a system that's designed for something entirely else. And... <clears throat> I gotta say, I have to, I really do have to say that... Uh, looking on it as a host, I think I did, well, I think Andras, the host, if I'm going to, if I'm going to defer to him and make him my tyrant boss, I have to also say he did a pretty good job of not making this about himself, which allowed this great revelation, uh, well, not revelation, but this great reveal 
a Shyamalanian reveal at the end of this that was unforced, uncoaxed, unprogrammed, and yet came unbidden. What a wonderful thing that you are about to experience. Anyway, so the point is that the question, does life come before death or death come before life? The, like, so this the song that you're hearing, this version of the song that is so good from Pete was actually recorded. I don't know. I don't know what happened because we ended up losing this whole end segment. But I know that I feel like we recorded both the beginning segment. The beginning segment, I think, is right. Uh, and I love what Keon says about, I mean, he's so uh, self uh, he's so diminutive. He he makes himself so small as a director while describing these achievements of directing that just baffle me. The way I suppose songwriting baffles those who don't know how to do it. You know, it's a it's a magic trick, and uh, his humility around that genius seems like it's like a theme. Like Isaac Opatz had that, and Vikram. And uh, Caroline Keys had that quality. We've had a bunch of these very humble people who are also hold space for a lot of really amazing people, and that's very much a theme of of a Pete's Pete's episode. So let me. I want to. I guess I'm gonna. Whew, try and dig into the interpretations here. So. Keon is talking before his question about uh, he's talking about the ladies jogging around Echo Park and balancing that with the homelessness. He says something that I think is so uh, really compelling. He says, if something is to live for a thousand years, which is whatever, I don't want to get into that terminology, but if something is to live for a thousand years, it's because it shows the world so truthfully that you really learn something from looking at it, objectively even, and documented in a stylized way, particularly focused on Los Angeles, which is, that is so resonant with what I'm trying to do with Radio 8 Ball, is to document something that is true because it's Un, it's stylized around something that is unstylized, that can't be stylized. Uh, and I think that's what, what Keon is talking about, too. So there's this sync in terms of our conversation before. And I got to say, this is so rare. I, I've never done this before. I've never done a musical divination a, a month or so after the... Yeah, more than a month after the fact. And having listened to it and being able to take notes, it's actually pretty nice it, it who knows season three might be more like this anyway uh <laughs> probably i don't know i don't i don't want to say it will be or it won't be i'm just saying anything's possible so so there, there there's that and that also makes me think of under the silver lake uh which makes me think of my friend and uh and client greg wayne who was in Under the Silver Lake and who, uh, well, took his own life between filming it and when it came out. And honestly, fuck him for that. And at the same time, there's an artistry in me that recognizes the artistry in him that he, if you see him in this role, 
that's a weird and I don't want to say triumphant coda, but suspicious and or triumphant coda. <clears throat> anyway, I'm going down many rabbit holes here because that's what happens the further you get away from the blast zone of a synchronicity. There are just so many more pieces that are there. So, uh, so anyway, let's get into Pete's song and his answer to the question, which was Goodbye Baby Blue. Okay, I'm going to start off with my assessment of this song and of Pete in general, because I'm realizing, listening to it and having the space to listen to it, that this song captures something about Pete, a, a lot of different things about Pete. First of all, I feel like the reason that the harmonies in Pete Molinari's songs are so potent is because that's what Pete Molinari is about, is about harmony. And throughout his songs... Harmony is the consistent factor. It's consistent lyrically, it's consistent melodically, and then the harmonies themselves, they they cost something. They they're they're like buzzsaw harmonies. They 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 bleed. And uh, on this one, Margaret Bukowski, whose name resonates with Bukowski, just like yeah, her harmonies cost something. And and then Pete starts off with the line, you cheated your own heart. He said, does life come before death or does death come before life? You cheated your own heart. It's like our mind. What part of you would cheat your heart? <laughs> it's your mind that would cheat your heart. Um, I suppose that some would say that your sex would cheat your heart, but I feel like your sex is usually more honest to your heart than your mind is. And... So you cheated your, you're like your mind cheated your own heart. And that's, again, it's like this sense of harmony, even in that one line. And then he just launches into this, this litany of perfect cliches. And I mean, that, that, that sounds so bad, but it's really true. It's one of the things that's in great rock and roll songs. Uh, there, I think of, I think of Pete as like a folk Mark Bolan in this way, that T-Rex is all cliches they're deployed with like with such sincerity and effortlessness but a knowingness that allows so if you get it then you're in on it and if you don't get it then that's fine because it doesn't matter because they're cliches for a reason because whoever said them first to you was probably repeating something that somebody else said and they just had access to so that's what i mean that his songs are built on this harmony of perfect cliches enveloped in this aesthetic that's genius and this is where the humility and genius he would balk at that and uh, and i don't like the the over the overuse of the term genius. And what I mean is that everyone has a kind of genius for something. And Pete's is in aesthetic. And that's, again, it's harmony. Aesthetic is harmony on a visual sense. Actually, it's not just visual. But to me, so much of the way I envy Pete's aesthetic is that I don't have his visual aesthetic. And so that's what I notice. That's how my brain cheats my own heart. And that's how my death comes before my life every day because I kill off 
possibilities by envying others, but at the same time, envying others is creating a possibility if you can relate to it that way. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> Drunken man in front of a microphone. That's the end of this segment, unless, unless at the last minute Pete and Keon come through with their interpretations, and then this will all change. And indeed it has all changed. Change is the only constant, and at the last minute, we did get some wise words from Kion Hedeate and Pete Molinari, and without any further ado, let's hear what they have to say about this musical divination. And without any further ado, let's hear what they have to say about this musical divination. So, um, is there death before life? I guess that connects with um goodbye baby jane uh because to me maybe whoever wrote the song who <laughs> was pete um maybe was saddened over the loss of a girl um and you get depressed thoughts when something like that comes along existential thoughts and and that i guess ties back into my question um <laughs> so i guess if you're a dark person dark horse <laughs> yeah then you would um you know be singing that song and pete what do you what about you pretty philosophical view there there keon um i would say yeah i guess everything can relate back like is there life before death is there life before uh death before life i think for me like everything like even even the the Buddhists and the Hindus all talk about this thing like practice dying, or but they talk about like dying to something every day, right? Like uh, like dying to these attachments or whatever. Then we get used to one day and inevitably that you know we we get out of one vehicle and in another, right? And get into you know whatever we move on to the journey. But I think uh, you know I think people are afraid of the unknown and all that stuff. That's why death fears uh, gives them a lot of fear and anxiety. But I think and no one likes to see someone else you know someone that they they love and care about leave you know and they they just get there's a lot of fear of loss. But I think um, to the song itself, goodbye, baby Jane. I guess the word goodbye is kind of like talking about a death of something in some ways because you're saying goodbye to something. You know, it's a closing of one door and an opening of another I, that song's a kind of like pop song and it's a pop melody but it's got so it's got maybe some of the darkest lyrics i've written it's got like you know it starts off starts off with you when it cheated your own heart torn apart from the start you know and stuff like that. and then in the chorus it's it's got you know your your heart gleams like a gun which i always thought is a really kind of pretty dark line but um you know, that's the kind of I like. I like music like that. When when they, I've always liked things in the past that have got a jolly pop melody, but have got something underlyingly dark about it. But is death really dark? I don't know. Maybe it's more light than we think it is. Thanks for listening to Radio Eight Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit radio8ball.com, where you'll find the Radio Eight blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio Eight Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio Eight Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your 
your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio April Show. I tried to make them an offer he can't refuse, you know, but... Uh, I could have been something, Johnny, you know? You talk about death all the time. It's like a... I could have been a contender, Charlie, and you're asking about life and death. I don't know. It's like I just keep getting this one-way ticket to Palookaville. What do you mean by riches? <laughs> me not them type riches. <laughs> My riches is life forever. Life, life forever? But why do I keep getting a one-way ticket to Palookaville, Bob? Because you don't be understanding the earth, you don't be understanding how love is working through your body right now. You don't be seeing his thing, you know. Yeah, but Bob, look at what I massacred the man of my boy. <laughs> you know, I'm really sorry for you, boy. You can make sure to say a prayer for him to Selassie, highly Selassie. Selassie, Selatso, because Selatso's a pimp. <laughs> <laughs>